episode of Helmets Off. Uh, yeah, crazy stuff going on in the world of sports, and I know that everyone has who's living and breathing anywhere in the world has heard the news about Kobe Bryant uh, tragically passing in a helicopter as- accident in, uh, I guess, Calabasas, California. Ironically, uh, when I was on The Biggest Loser, Las Virginis Road, which is really close to where the accident happened, was where they filmed uh, The Biggest Loser. So I'm very familiar with the area, very familiar with the terrain where all of this happened. In fact, on a daily basis, I used to walk and hike through the hills um, extremely close to, to where Kobe Bryant actually was killed, which is, so I understand that whole area. In fact, there were a lot of days when I was hiking that fog would actually cover the hilltops. And it was quite a, in, in, in my time, a fun, to, a fun thing to actually hike through the fog. It was, it was, it was kind of a cool thing. And so, uh, I understand that's a very common thing to happen in, in that part of the country. And, and you, you have to just, your heart goes out to, 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 to Kobe, his family, and just, just the families of everyone who's there, just certainly a very tragic event that actually happened. And on top of it, for me, I, I'm, I have my pilot's license. I understand weather conditions. I understand spatial um, disorientation probably happened when John F. Kennedy Jr. actually died um, tragically some years ago. Uh, very almost the same phenomena happened where you're looking to see the ground and the conditions where this this example was fog john f kennedy jr's situation was dark he was over the ocean on a moonless night so you you have no reference to the horizon to the ground and very quickly especially when you're close to the ground it comes up on you fast. I mean, he was going, Kobe's helicopter was going almost 184 miles an hour. So it very quickly things can change and you can get yourself in a, in a bad situation in a massive hurry. And you're probably a little bit panicked about, because you can't see, you don't know where you are. It's a, it's a very freaky, terrible thing uh, to be involved in. Anyways, um, I, I fascinate... Uh, every time this type of thing happens and 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 so so for me i think what what is compelling about all of this is first of all you never expect it to happen when when your superstars your heroes uh pass away tragically for whatever reason whether it's you know an accident an overdose uh, um a suicide you know all of those terrible things that happen it's just you you you're sad. You're always sad when people die, but you're just, you're just, ex- I don't know why it's so much more important to us, but it is that when our superstars pass away, uh, we just, we just feel like it's not real. I, I had so many people going, nah, this can't, this can't be true. This is like a hoax. This is fake. This is someone getting this whole information wrong. And for me, I think what that is, is we, when we're sports fans, we put our heroes on such a pedestal that they're no longer human. Like they no longer are subjected to all things that we do as humans. And part of it is because they, they do things we can't even comprehend doing. 
Kobe Bryant was such an amazing basketball player. I mean, he was like, he was just incredible. And, and he did things and he had that you just go, I can't do that. And not only can I, can I not do it, but most of the guys in the NBA he's playing against can't do it. He was, I mean, he's so talented and so special and so gifted and so driven. And he was so accomplished at what he was doing. And as a fan, you go, yeah, that's Kobe's my guy, right? I'm, I'm a Lakers fan. I'm a Kobe guy. And I am because um, I, want, I want to associate with that greatness. Like, like people don't, you know, go around to Greg Ostertag and go, man, he, he's the best in the world. And no offense to Greg Ostertag. I mean, I'm sure he had his fans. He's played at North Carolina. And, but, but there's this, you know, even, even in my time as an athlete in professional football, you were a professional athlete, <laughs> and you were on the team, and you were good. You, like, everyone's good. But then you'd, you'd have a guy on your team like Barry Sanders, and he would be, like, freaky good. He'd be, like, crazy. Even he would be so good, even the people that were really good, the professionals go – Man, that guy's amazing. That guy's special. That guy's different. And and there's this reason for, and I, I I'm not sure I totally get it. Is is it because we're as fans we want to escape reality? Is it that we want to feel better about ourselves and who we are? I I know that you know cities that have have these great teams, they feel like their city's a city of champions. Like there's really something great about them. I've always found it fascinating living in Utah and and knowing a lot of people who grew up here, born and raised in Utah, and they're Laker fans. And I'm like, how can you how can you turn on your local team, the Jazz? You know, this is this is your hometown team and they're like, I just grew up loving the loving the Lakers because they won and they had players like Kobe Bryant. And they were they were incredible. And people want to be associated with something they can't possibly do, something that's superhuman. You know, this whole, like, superhero thing. You know, the guy can fly like Superman. And Batman can, you know, I don't know, whatever Batman does that's superhuman. But they have these these unique gifts that are just, I mean, tell you who I'm really impressed with is Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, is she's, she's a bad woman. And and by by bad I mean good, <laughs> like like seriously she can she can pick it up and put it down. I mean that that lady, and the and the whole golden lariat thing that like you have to tell the truth, and it, I mean it's just I mean and the invisible airplane. I mean it's just there's she's got some stuff going on there, and with those superhuman um, superheroes they don't die. You know a whole building falls on Superman or a locomotive or whatever. And he just bounces up, you know, and that's what we think should happen with Kobe Bryant. He's he's our superhero. And the fact that he isn't, the fact that he's subjected to the same human condition that we are, is really devastating when it happens, and really sobering to us to bring us back to reality. And that is that none of us are superheroes, are great athletes are able to, like, um, circumvent death. We can't get past it. It happens. So then it starts this whole self-reflection. 
well, what really matters in life? You know, is it the fact that we win championships and we adore and we idolize these great players and we spend all this money and this time watching and worshiping what they do? I mean, there's two sides to Kobe Bryant. He wasn't perfect. Like, there were events in his life I'm sure he's very ashamed of. And quite frankly, I I appreciate that he's worked what appears uh, on the outside, and we certainly don't know everything, but it appears after his indiscretions that he did everything he possibly could do to make his marriage and his family work. And so isn't that what life is? Isn't that about kind of becoming a better person and admitting that we made a mistake and paying for whatever needs to be paid for for a mistake and moving on and being a better person because of it? Uh, that's what you do in the athletic world. <laughs> you fail. And you figure out why you failed and you try harder and you improve and so that the next time you're in that situation, you don't fail again. And you're constantly going through this process. So, so yeah, Kobe's just a normal guy with some exceptional talents. But, you know, he, he figured it out. I remember his rookie year with, when he was playing the Utah Jazz. And he, and he failed miserable in the, in the divisional round of the playoffs. I mean, he had multiple opportunities to make shots that would have won the game for the Lakers, and he failed. And, the, and of course, the Jazz went on to play in the NBA uh, Finals. So I find this whole process of when our superstar athletes die, and it doesn't happen often, but it's just it just seems to be so tragic because we attach ourselves to people and maybe not a I don't even know if it's the most healthy way we possibly could and we look at them as something other than humans which they're just human so it does cause us to reflect and I know for myself that um, I, I kind of wish that we didn't have to have these tragedy ha- these tragedies happen before we could say I, I'm gonna appreciate the people around me much more you know, why, why can't we just do that without having someone die to, to bring it back to us? Why can't we just hug people and love people that we're around every day better? Why can't we say kind things to one another on a regular basis? Why do we have to be constantly <laughs> reminded in tragic events before we're, we're actually willing to be nice? I would be, I believe in the bottom of my heart that as a society, we would be so much better if we would just take a little bit of time to be nicer and to to appreciate, to have this, this attitude of gratitude for the things that are really important in our lives. Sure, we can enjoy our sports and, and have it there, and but, but it doesn't have to be the center of our universe. And we don't have to have these tragic things to happen before we'll really embrace the things that are great and exceptional in our lives. Right, I'm going to take a break. And... Uh, Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant, and uh, my heart goes out to his family, but we're going to take a break and switch gears here because there is, like, the biggest sporting event in the United States happening, and we probably should have a little discussion about it. Scott Mitchell here, and of course, uh, yes, the Super Bowl is happening, and there's always fascinating little stories associated with the Super Bowl, always. There's all this intrigue, and one of the things that has really 
been intriguing to me, and it's I would say for the last couple of years, probably the last three or four years, is the attention and the amount of prop bets that go on during the Super Bowl. Now, if you're not familiar with this, and I wasn't before, and I'm not a gambling person, but you could you can make all these silly bets about all these crazy things that are going on in the game. Like it, you can make a bet on who will win the opening kickoff, like the coin toss. Uh, last year when Giselle uh, Bunchen Brady, Giselle BB Bunchen Brady, was, uh, of course, watching the game. It was who who was – you can bet on who's going to be shown on TV first, Giselle or Bill Belichick. Which one, And you could bet on this. You go, I'm going to take Giselle. Or how many times was she shown? Uh, there, there's just – there's crazy ones like the, the national anthem, the halftime speech or, or performance. So the national anthem this year is – Demi Lovato, how many times or how long will she hold the last word of the national anthem? Brave. Is it less than or more than 5.5 seconds? And there's just just these crazy, crazy things. So so this year, I think the craziest one I've heard. Well, that, that's that's from this year. So so you, of course, you have the coin toss. You have who's going to make the first score. You have all, all these crazy things going on. But but here's here's the one I think is absolutely the most bizarre, and I'm I'm gonna dial into this because I think it's funny, and if you've never watched this video, you need to watch it because it's priceless. So they used to have a competition. They still I think they still have it. It's called punt, pass, and kick. I participated in it as a kid, and you throw a ball as far as you can, you kick a ball as far as you can, and you punt it. So punt, pass, and kick. And however many yards it actually goes, you get a combined score, and the person with the highest combined score advances to the point where they have, I think they have it at the Super Bowl, and you get to go to the Super Bowl. Well, shoot, I thought I was amazing, and I wasn't. I mean, well, you know, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking two-thirds of this competition are special teams things. Like, this isn't a real competition about football. It's about, you know, other things. Anyways, there's a video from a long, long time ago when Andy Reid was a young kid in Los Angeles, California. So he grew up there. He was a participant, okay? The thing about it that's just hilarious is he's about three feet taller than the next participant. So he was like this bubba. This giant kid, and it is so funny to watch this, and they show it all the time. And and he was just like, like Andy Reid today looked like that when he was twelve. <laughs> he seriously, and they have him in a Rams uniform, and he is just totally this guy that's like, he's a grown man. And I would just have been crushed as this poor little kid to see who's this Amazon dude like. This is how big they grow them in California. Like, I can't believe this. I'll never, you know, and and because uh, I was, I, when I was young, I was just a little kid. You know, I grew like a foot in a year. And, and but when I was young, I was just, I was just average height like everybody else. And so uh, there's a video and, and they show it from time to time on TV because it is, it is great TV of Andy Reid doing the punt, pass and kick. And so there's a bet whether they're going to show this 
during the telecast. So is the is the Andy Reid vintage footage punt pass and kick from when he was twelve? Is that going to be shown? And and you can bet on that. That's how crazy all of this is. I think it would be kind of fun actually to because you're watching the game. And you, you, of course, you probably need some kind of spreadsheet to kind of pay attention to all of it, but it would be kind of fun to just, you know, okay, let's see, let's see what happens here, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, and it's it's like all these sideline things that have no value or no interest in the game, but let's go to the game itself, and and I, I want to just share a couple of my observations about the game, of course, one of the one of the big things that people are interested in is. We want this to be competitive. Like everyone, because your team isn't always in the Super Bowl. Maybe your team's never in the Super Bowl. I play for the Detroit Lions. They've never been to the Super Bowl. So you have you have this, I got to watch the game because it's the Super Bowl. So my team's not there, and I want to be entertained. So you want a fairly high-scoring game that's competitive. You don't want a blowout. You don't want... You don't want a team that everyone doesn't want to win to win. Uh, that's no fun. So it's it's whatever scenario creates the least amount of interest. Because quite frankly, you've you've spent a lot of energy in creating a Super Bowl party, and food and money and all these things that you've you've put together. So you're having a party and you want to have a good party. And the whole purpose of the party is to watch the Super Bowl. So if you if you kind of garnished your Super Bowl experience with, you know, maybe a few prop bets. Maybe you have like the Super Bowl squares. And of course you have all the amazing food and then you get to watch the commercials. So there's a lot of things that can, even if the game kind of stinks, it can still save your Super Bowl party. But, but what about the game? Like what, what you know, cause you want a good game. So for me, as I look at this game, it reminds me of 1982. And ironically, in that game was the San Francisco 49ers. Most people, if you've lived any kind of time in your life, unless you're a millennial, you're not going to realize that the 49ers were the model franchise. They were the envy of everyone in the NFL. Everyone said, before you die, you have to go play for the San Francisco 49ers. They treat their players amazing. They're, they're, it's a first-class organization. Eddie D. Uh, Bartolo is is incredible. He loves the players. He's engaged with the players. He 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 take they everything is done to, for the lack of a better word, to the nines, 49ers, get it, uh, and and they did. Then you just heard players go, oh, it's just incredible here. Now once you've lost your value, you're out the door. Joe Montana left, and in comes Steve Young kind of thing. And they were good about not being like the Dallas Cowboys who let all their great stars age and die, and then the, the organization was kind of in exile for about 10 years. So they, they used you up, took good care of you, and then they spit you out. But it was literally the model franchise. And they had cool Joe. I mean, Joe Montana, and they had Jerry Rice, and it's you can't beat the 49ers. And and so, in 1982, this is the first Super Bowl the 49ers have been in, and they're just kind of butt lucky to be there. I mean, without the catch, and and actually in their first the first round of the playoffs, they played the Detroit Lions. Joe Montana threw five interceptions. 
Problem was, Gary Danielson also threw five interceptions for the Lions. So, so they, so the the Forty Niners, extremely lucky to be in the Super Bowl. And then they're playing the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, if there's one team in the NFL you never want to go to the Super Bowl, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. No one wants the Bengals in the Super Bowl. It's there. There. It's well. Uh, maybe I would say that even over the Cleveland Browns. Like, the Cleveland Browns are about as inept right now as you possibly can get. I mean, even the Miami Dolphins are kind of inept right now. But you you can cheer for the Dolphins in the Super Bowl. You just can't cheer for the Bengals in the Super Bowl. It's just not right. It's just not any good NFL fan will tell you, look, if my team is not in the Super Bowl, it cannot in any, any way, shape, or form be the Cincinnati Bengals. I just can't cheer for them. So you have a Super Bowl with the 49ers who've never been to a Super Bowl. And everyone goes, who's Joe, you know, Montana and, and this Bill Walsh is supposed to be some genius or whatever. No one had heard of them. No one knew how great an organization they were. They were nothing. And then they're playing the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, like, seriously, the, the Bengals had, had beaten the Chargers. Now, had the San Diego Chargers and Dan Fouts and Eric Coriel, had they been in the Super Bowl, people would be excited. Yeah, this is awesome. Any team, any team in the AFC other than the Bengals, Amazing. No. And on top of it, it's played in Pontiac, Michigan. I've been to Pontiac, Michigan. It is a dive. It is a, it's not easy to get to the stadium. The Pontiac Silverdome in the day, I'm sure, was great. But I'm telling you, it was, it was a halfway house for, I don't know. I probably shouldn't even say. It was not a great venue at all. In fact, a few years ago, they sold it, and it was just tragic because they just let it run down. And there was there were there was like vegetation growing out of it. Looked uh, apocalyptic, like like the end of the world. And and the Pontiac Silverdome was was the epicenter of the end of the world. So my point of this, why this is significant for this year's Super Bowl, is because you have two teams who were, you know, maybe people are going, yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs should be there. But the Kansas City Chiefs haven't been in the Super Bowl for 50 years. And I think everyone expects the Chiefs to win. And I think everyone expects Patrick Mahomes to play amazing. But this is his first Super Bowl. And just like Joe Montana played his first Super Bowl in 1982, he wasn't Joe Montana yet. And so as good as Patrick Mahomes has been, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes yet. I think as he continues to have experiences like this, where if you remember a year ago, he plays in the AFC Championship game and loses. And it's like, um, oh. And so there's this maturation process. There's this growth that has to happen. And so maybe he'll have a good Super Bowl but I'm, I'm concerned that the Super Bowl is going to be clunky. It's going to be like that Super Bowl. It's going to be a weird score. It's going to have a weird flow to it. Uh, I, I just would be really surprised if that didn't happen. Now, my prediction's different. My, my prediction for the Super Bowl is it's a runaway and Patrick Mahomes coming out party, and he's amazing. And Because I'm not convinced yet that the San Francisco 49ers – are the San Francisco 49ers of, of the heyday and that Jimmy Garoppolo is the next incarnation of Joe Montana. I just don't think that's 
that's where it is right now. Um, I think they're an overinflated team, probably played, you know, some poor teams throughout the year. So their record's just a little bit more inflated. They got a fast, speedy defense with some amazing talent across the board, really. But so does Kansas City. Kansas City has a lot of speed on their team. And I just feel like this game might be bigger than Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, he's not asked to answer the bell for the 49ers. And you can't just all of a sudden say, okay, now we're in the Super Bowl. Play great. Uh, look at Jared Goff a year ago. Jared Goff was the recipient of a great defense and a really good running ba- game. But quite frankly, when he was called upon to make the big plays, he couldn't make them. And I see, I see a lot of that in this year's Super Bowl. So my prediction for this game and what I see is spend a lot of time watching those commercials and maybe you should get into a few prop bets. And FYI, I'd pick the under on the national anthem. Five and a half seconds holding brave is longer than you think. So bet the under on that one, just helping you out here. And make sure you have good food because the game, I don't know, it's going to be sketchy. All right, we're going to take another break. We come back. Crazy things happening in our world, and especially in our world of sports, because Taysom Hill, the do-it-all Swiss Army knife for the New Orleans Saints, apparently is getting some realistic discussion about being the heir apparent to And I uh, love doing this. We are three years of this week. So I started Helmet off, Helmets Off three years ago, the week of the Super Bowl. So we are on our third year anniversary. And boy, does it seem like a lifetime ago. Uh, a lot of fun. So I love doing this and hope you enjoy listening to it. Um, and hope that, you know, you get some insight uh, into things you maybe didn't know about before about sports, about life, and just about things in general. Okay, so this last segment of the day is about Taysom Hill. And if you don't know who he is, um, he, he, he continues to uh, increase the light of his existence in the NFL. Just does more and more and more. He's very entertaining. Uh, he has been a tremendous player in for the... New Orleans Saints in the sense that he kind of does everything. So he makes big plays. He's a playmaker and they're, they're plays that you don't normally see. So like you have a quarterback out catching passes uh, from Drew Brees. So he becomes a receiver. You put him in the backfield and he becomes a running back on third and fourth down. And of course he's a special teams player. So he returns kicks, returns them. Did you hear that right? He's a quarterback, like a legitimate quarterback. And he's out there returning kicks and punts and all these crazy things. He also goes down and covers punts. He throws touchdown passes. And he even does fake punts. I mean, the guy's everywhere. And so how can you not love that? How can you not go, man, this is, it's, he, he's, he's a, and every man's, you know, guy. And he just, it's just incredible all of the unique things he's doing. But more incredible, it's the impact that his 
efforts are having on games. You know, he's not playing like 50, 60 snaps in a game. He's like playing 12 or 10. And nine of the 10 plays he's in are big, massive, game changers. Whatever they may, you know, converting third downs, throwing touchdown passes, catching touchdown passes, uh, fake punts, I mean, block punts, you you know, all of it. They have a huge impact. So he's an impact player in the NFL on very minimal usage. And you ask yourself, well, give the guy more usage. You know, where, where do you fit him in? And the reality is, is the New Orleans Saints have a lot of weapons. They don't necessarily need to use him all the time. And they really feel like, and it's kind of coming out a little bit more, maybe they didn't want to have to address this, but they are, that they go, there might be a future for him here as a quarterback. Now, I can tell you, I watched Taysom Hill when he was in college, and I was like, that guy, great athlete, but he's not a quarterback. I mean, he's not a consistent quarterback at all. I'd even say Tim Tebow, who has a funky motion, had a better throwing motion and maybe was more accurate than than Taysom Hill. I mean, Taysom Hill had a had a bad a bad. Who's calling? Uh oh, it's a bill collector. I'll talk to him later. Um, so you you have this this whole uh, dynamic of Taysom Hill using more, but the Saints have like kind of said, you know, we kind of need to protect him a little bit. Because he's not just a throwaway guy for us. He's not just a special team guy for us. He's a guy that could show up every day. And and I was skeptical. Like I said, I, I didn't like his throwing motion. I didn't like him as an NFL quarterback. I loved that he was willing to say, look, my only shot of sticking around here is to do whatever I got to do. And I get that. And you you there are very few spots in the NFL, and the spots get held on to, and it's extremely competitive to get in one of those spots and you better have you better make it happen when you play best advice i ever got from dan marino was when you get in there you better play you better make it happen or you'll be gone like they just don't wait around they don't there's not this whole idea of let's take a lot of time and develop this player it's like can you make it can you do it if not see you later well the saints have kind of had the luxury where They get some value out of Taysom Hill in another position while they have a chance to say, watch Drew Brees. You're going to job shadow. You're going to job shadow for four years. And who better than a guy like Drew Brees? I mean, not only is he an amazing quarterback, but he's an amazing individual. Like, Like Drew Brees is the mayor of professional football. He really is. I mean, and in fact, if he ran, if he ran for like commissioner, if he ran for anything, Drew Brees, I believe, would win with 100% of the vote. I would venture to say there's not a person alive that doesn't like Drew Brees. In fact, I would say teams that get beat by Drew Brees probably come up to him after and go, you know, it was an honor to lose to you today. You're really amazing. I really, he's just, he's that kind of person. And 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 for a young kid like Taysom Hill to go around and say, I'm going to shadow not only an amazing individual, but one of the one of the best players quarterbacks to play professional football i've i've always liked drew Brees. like i've i've never i've never sat there and go oh you know there's some other guys just like whatever but man i just always i'd love to job shadow drew Brees for four years and i can tell you what Taysom hill has 
learned. And, and on top of it, Drew Brees probably happy to help him because most quarterbacks aren't. Most quarterbacks are like, whatever. Aaron Rodgers wasn't like, oh, let me, let me take your hand. Let me put you under my wing, Aaron Rodgers. You didn't even do that. And, and most quarterbacks wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't not do it, but you don't think to do it. You know, you're there. It's like, I have a job to do. Do my job. And, and this, isn't, this isn't the Boy Scouts. It's not Kumbaya. It's not the frat, the frat house in college. It's, you know, it's professional football. So Drew Brees, to mentor him, I would say that's amazing. But here's what I've noticed with Taysom Hill. That throwing motion, that decision-making, he's got it. He started to figure it out a little bit. And those are things you can develop. Steve Young will tell you, I learned to throw a football from Jim McMahon, from watching Jim McMahon. And I mean, if you're in college football, and I mean, Jim McMahon, probably, the, in my opinion, the greatest college quarterback ever. Probably Jim McMahon, Ty Detmer. I'm serious, just the, how they were, what they did, absolutely amazing. And so being around that, even though you don't get the reps, there's a tremendous value in that. And and then having the time, because from what we understand, the Saints are saying, okay, this is Drew Brees' last year. And so we're going to slowly make the transition into Taysom Hill. And I think if you're, if you're a New Orleans Saints fan, oh, how fun is that going to be? I mean, this guy, there, there's just so much they can do with him that's unconventional and really will be – a challenge for defenses to handle. Fun future for Taysom Hill. Fun opportunity for the New Orleans Saints. And quite frankly, this is one of the few things I can't wait to happen. I'd love to see what Taysom Hill could do on a regular basis playing in the NFL. Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do right now. Uh, Helmets Off is now off. We're done for the day. We're powered by kslsports.com. Find us on Facebook at the Helmets Off Podcast, Twitter at the Helmets Off Show. And until then, make sure you uh, prop that Andy Reid. And you got to watch the video no matter what. But until then, we'll see you.